Oh, the children are released. I didn't forget it this time. They did. All right. Uh, the last couple of weeks, actually the last four weeks, uh, I've been teaching a series to the youth. And, I, I, you know, in my notes, I'm able to keep track of almost every sermon I've ever done. And in my notes, it says I've around over 100 uh, sermons I've given since I've become youth pastor here. And uh, this series that I've been teaching the youth, though, has been probably one of my best series I've ever taught. And you can ask any of the youth, they're all agreeing with it as well. So, um, and the title of the series is, and we got a clip for you real fast, but the title of the series is, But God Changes Everything. All of us are wandering. And I mean, some of you guys may have never had a relationship with Christ, but you mean as Christians, we wander in our relationship with Christ. So, um, uh, God uh, showed me this verse, or the, these couple of passages that I'm gonna, we're going to go to, Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, and it paints an amazing picture of how God wants to pursue us and how God wants to just love on us no matter, regardless where we're at. So if you guys will turn with me, I don't think it's going to be up there today, so you guys are going to have to use your Bibles or your iPads or whatever you have. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation. It says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Now, when reading this story, I thought, well, you know, God asked the man of the hour to go marry a prostitute. That's like Pastor Neil. All of a sudden, God coming to Pastor Neil and saying, Pastor Neil, now he's married. Pastor Neil, go, you're going to find your wife in Traverse City at that strip club up there. I, yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing, right? It, and then also I'm passing you coming to you guys being like, guys, I heard from God that I'm supposed to find my wife at a strip club. I don't know about you guys, but I think Pastor Neil kind of missed it. When it's you guys, I don't know about you guys. I think, I mean, you probably should pray about that one one more time, Pastor Neil, right? But God tells Jose, the man of the hour, to go marry the prostitute. Um, Jose chapter 3 verses 1 through 3, and this is where we're going to be for the rest of the message. I'll give you guys a second to get there. Hosea chapter 3, 1 through 3, and it says this. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits idolatry with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even through the people who have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barrel and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution during this time. You will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. And there's three points I'm going to want to show you guys through this scripture that the Lord showed me. And the first point is we wander, but God never stops pursuing us. If you read verse one again, it says, then the Lord said to me, God, or go and love your wife again even through she commits idolatry with another lover. God said, go love her anyways. Doesn't matter how bad she messed up. Now for me, it would be kind of hard to go love someone who doesn't want to love me back. We've all probably been there. We've had a wife, maybe a husband, maybe you've had friends or family that you want just to mend that relationship, but they just 
don't want to love you back hard, right? It doesn't say in scripture right here. It doesn't say she was off um, making love to other people. She was going off, going, doing what she always has done before, making money, whatever, right? But God says to Jose, go get her anyways. Go pursue her anyways. So we want her, but God never stops pursuing us. It doesn't matter how bad you screwed up. It doesn't matter the mess you're in. It doesn't matter. And uh, it's, <laughs> you guys, most of you guys know, for you guys that don't know, I have two dogs, uh, Bella and Allie. And uh, we, me and Josie, my wife, likes to go off and do things a lot. Like we've been longboarding a lot this weekend. And Bella likes to chew things up. <laughs> and uh, we came home actually yesterday and uh, I go upstairs, and we know, we know something's going to happen, so we nose goes. It's like, okay, first one, last one to touch her nose has to clean up the mess. So, so I lost, and so I went upstairs. I'm like, oh, please, nothing. Downstairs was perfect, clean, nothing. I'm like, yes. Go upstairs, and uh, there it sits. Uh, Josie's flip-flop chewed up. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's her favorite flip-flop. And... Uh, so I'm like, I, yell, I, know who, I know which dog it is because they, they look guilty. I yelled at Bella, and Bella, you, she just has that guilt face on her. She just has like, I'm going to stay away from you for a bit. I'll call her. I'll come walk towards her. She'll have her head down and walk up. And to be honest, if we're lucky, sometimes she'll do something bad at night, so then we have the whole bed to ourselves. Because if you guys ever had dogs, the dogs, it's like I get 10% of the bed, Josie gets a good portion of the bed, and the dogs have at least 50% of the bed. So if we're lucky, they make a mistake before we go to bed. Because then uh, usually Bella and Allie won't come up at all during that night. But Bella feels guilty. So, But God is saying, I'm never going to stop pursuing you. I don't care the mistake you made. And uh, let's see here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 7, it says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. What's cool is in other spots in the Bible, love is defined as God. And so I want to read it that way. God never gives up. He never loses faith. He is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So whatever your mess you're in, whatever addiction you're in, whatever your bondage is, God is pursuing you because he loves you. So that's the first point in the story you see here that of Jose is that he tells God tells Jose, go pursue her anyways to represent my love towards the church, towards my people. The second point here is we wander, but God pursues us to show us love. And you see that in verse 1 as well. But also, if you guys want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, 3 through 5. And it says this, All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of and inclinations of the sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us a life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you have been saved. We were all destined for hell. We were all destined for failure. But God pursued us because he loves us, to, to pull us out of the mess we're in. Um, and I have a question for you guys. Are you wandering, are you wandering right now because you're wounded or because you're in bondage? Sometimes we find ourselves wandering if we're wounded or if we're in bondage. 
Sometimes we justify the things we're in, the addictions, the bondages we're in, because of the things that has happened to us. Uh, youth do that a lot, actually. They, or, uh, you know, we all do it in general a lot. But because I'm the youth pastor here, I see it a lot in the youth that they, they get into, they do things, they start cutting themselves, they start getting into drugs because they're justifying what has happened to themselves. And sometimes we too as adults, we justify the things that happened to us because, like pornography. I was looking up some statistics, and one of the main reasons why uh, married men get into pornography is feel, because they feel a lack of love from their spouse, or they feel like their spouse is hurting them some way. So they justify what they're doing because of what that has happened to them. Um, wounds will always then become bondages. And bondage, bondage and addiction suck. I don't know about you, because it prevents us or it blocks us from becoming who God has called us to be. It prevents us to completely fulfill everything that God has called us to do. Uh, I want to look at a story in the Bible, Samson. Samson was a mighty man of God, and theologians actually say one of the uh, strongest men to this day to ever still to walk this earth. I mean, Samson had lines running at him, you know, beat them up, ripped their jaws apart, He's, he's killed uh, thousands of Philistines with a jaw, donkey's jawbone. I mean, a mighty man. And he was called by God to, uh, to defeat the Philistines. That was his, that was his God-given destiny, to, to deliver God's people out of the hands of the Philistines. And check what uh, happens in Judges chapter 16, verse 20 and 21. It says this, So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. So a man who was called to defeat the Philistines is now bound by the people who he's supposed to be defeating, the people who he's supposed to deliver Israel from. And a lot of people say uh, Samson was, you know, bound because his hair was cut. I believe from reading the scripture that there's more to this story. And one of the things that you see Samson doing is he lived a life of secrecy. He lived a life of secrecy. And sometimes we get bound and in addictions because we're living a life of secrecy. Judges chapter 14, verse 6, it says this, At that moment, in the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, Samson, and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did, he did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. Now, there was not, I mean, nothing wrong with not telling right there, right? I mean, it's a secret, but I don't know about you guys. <laughs> if I just ripped a lion's mouth apart, I'm going to be like, Pastor Brenda, I got a picture. Can you put it on the website for me? Can you put it on the website? I would be, now, I got a little thing here. I brought this because I don't think most of you guys, most of you guys are, sorry, no offense taken, a little, this is, be, this is beyond your time. This, this, is, this is a new invention. This is what we call the selfie stick selfie stick. It's, it's for helping, like, if I wanted to get a picture of you guys, and I turn my phone, right, to get a picture, I'm only going to probably get this little general area. I put my phone on this thing, and I'm going to be able to get the whole church in this, right? Selfie stick. Awesome invention, especially, like, if you're on vacations, and you don't have no one around you, selfie stick is the way to go. But if I just defeated a lion, I'm going to bust out my selfie stick. There it is in the background take a picture of it, post it on my social media, hashtag, 
I can do all things through God. Hashtag give God the glory. Right? That's what I, that's what I would be doing. But Samson, he tells no one. Now, there isn't anything wrong with that until we keep reading. If we read, uh, we're going to jump to verse 8 through 9 in chapter 14. It says, Later, when he returned to Tamar for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had, ta- or he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. So God called Samson to defeat the Philistines. But before he called him to defeat the Philistines, he also called Samson to obey the Nazarite laws. And the three major rules of the Nazarite laws was, the first thing was, uh, don't cut your hair. The second thing was, don't drink wine. And the third thing is, don't touch anything unholy. Well, at the time, things, things that were considered unholy were anything that was dead. So Samson takes that honey, and you know, you know he knew it was wrong, because he didn't tell his parents what he did, and, and he fed it to his parents. So his, his, uh, by hiding his access to sin, it caused him to sin. So are you, hide, are you in bondage, and are bondage right now because you're hiding your access point to sin? Is your phone an access point to sin? Is your uh, computer, is your friends, your family an access point to sin? Because that access point to sin, sin will always lead you into bondage. Uh, and like I said, uh, Samson, I don't believe it was the cutting of his hair that caused Samson to be in bondage. It was his disobedience to God's instructions. Uh, Judges 16, verse 20. Later, this is now Delilah's in the picture, the scene where Delilah just cut his hair. And it says, Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left it. It didn't say he didn't realize his hair wasn't cut. His hair has been growing ever since he was born, right? I mean, imagine having long hair, and all of a sudden, you know, sure he was in a panic, woke up, oh crap, my hair is cut. He did, but what he didn't realize is, he didn't, the Lord had left him. So Samson was in such a routine that, of defeating the Philistines, that when the Lord left him, he got back up, and, he's, and he just went on his way, doing like he's always done before. And sometimes, as Christians, we get into routines. Um, especially here at unfortunately at church we get into a routine okay church is on Sunday morning uh, I, we're going to worship God and I me as a Christian growing up as a youth I fell into that trap a lot you know I get into the music rather than the reason for the music the reason why we sing and praise God or and as a leader Dr. Leon was saying as leaders it's sometimes even harder because we're expected to be here we're expected to show up to be an example to you guys right but we can often forget that when we are, we are supposed to be coming to the church, expecting people to get touched, changed, and transformed, expecting our lives to be touched, changed, and transformed. But oftentimes, as leaders and just as everyone, we forget the reason why we come to church. We forget the reason why we do things because it's a routine. And I believe Samson was in such a routine of defeating the Philistines that when he got up, he didn't care that his hair was cut. He didn't care that he's been touching uh, dead things. And uh, just, I mean, if you read the story of Samson, 
he's just a mess. I mean, he's disobeying everything that God told him to do. He didn't care, but he's figured, you know what? I'm just going to get up and do like I've always done before. But then what happens is he gets caught by the Philistines and put into bondage because he's living a life of secrecy, a life of disobedience to the Lord. And if, so I encourage you guys, whatever that uh, thing you're bond, stuck in, find that access point and get rid of it. Um, we went to the Cherry Festival, uh, which that was last week, Cherry Festival, and they play bingo there. And some of you guys might discourage bingo, but I love bingo. My mom will call me up, and she'll be like, let's go play bingo. I'm like, if you're paying, you keep the pizza coming, the pop coming, I'll help you watch the cards. <laughs> and I, I love playing it. So uh, Seth, and I, he's my uncle, my uncle Seth. You guys see him dr- play drums up here sometimes. He actually preached last Thursday to the youth. But, you know, he's like, let's go play bingo. And we had two others, and my jo- my wife Josie came with us. And we go in to play bingo, and like I said, I get into bingo. You know how they have, like, those lucky charms that they sit in front of them? I, <laughs> me and Seth, our lucky charms are my lobes. Lobes for luck is what we call it. I, if you guys haven't noticed, I had pretty big lobes. If I, I mean, even before the gauge. Before the gauges, I had big lobes. It's just, it's what runs in our family, big lobes. You, uh... I don't know if Cassandra, my sister, has big lobes. She might have big lobes. But my sister Katie, me, my dad, my grandpa, big lobes. So, you know, Seth's rubbing my ears for a lug. I rub my ears for a lug. And, uh, you know, so you guys think gross. We're family. It doesn't matter. And, um, you know, we're getting into bingo. I have all my friends on this side. I had Josie over here. And me and Seth are just getting into it. And then, you know, these aren't Josie's exact words, but she turns to me and she's like, pretty much says, what? What about me? I kind of forgot she was there. I forgot, you know, my wife, the one who I should be paying attention to, is there. And sometimes our relationship with God looks like that. Is we have all our friends, family, our work, our just what we're involved in over here, and we get involved over here, and we forget God wants to join us in the things we're doing. And that's what happened to Samson. He forgot that that God called him to defeat the Philistines, not by himself, but with him. The last point that I want to make, the third point, is we wander, but God paid the price to find us. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2, it says, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barrel and a measure of wine. Now, a lot of theologians say the, the 50 pieces of silver represents like up to... Uh, a year's worth of wage. So Jose went to buy her back, gave his 15 pieces of silver, everything he had, his year's worth of wage, and then, then he gave everything else. He, he didn't have enough money, so he brought uh, wine, uh, what was it, bushels of, bushels of Bailey. So theologians say, and I, and, you can, and I think it's fair to conclude from this, that Jose, in order to get his wife back, gave everything. And that's the same way with God. God has said... He gave his son, which was everything, all of him, so that he can um, pay the price for us. And uh, a lot of times, we're, we're used to uh, getting pursued. Like, it, all of a sudden, you break the law, right? You're speeding, going 75, you're late, you're late on the way to church, and all of a sudden, a cop pulls you over. Are you expecting the cop to, like, flip on his sirens, right, come up to you and be like, oh, man, Thank you for obeying the law, right? No, it doesn't happen. Usually you're going to get a ticket, right? Uh, story, uh, me and Sandra, 
if you don't know Xander, my sister back there. Uh, growing up, we got in a lot of trouble together. And I remember one time laying on our bed, and we were just, I don't know, we were watching TV or playing video games, and all of a sudden we got a little rub. And I don't remember who ended up breaking the window. I broke the window. <laughs> so Xander pushed me into the window. I broke the window. And I remember my dad or, and mom or both coming in, and they didn't come in and be like, oh, thank you for breaking that window. We've been wanting a new window. No. My dad, literally, this is what my dad said. You're probably going to wish you fell out that window. My, now, my dad's, my dad's awesome. My dad's cool, and he's probably going to listen to this. So sorry, Dad. But uh, he didn't pursue us, you know, to love on us. He pursued us to discipline us. For, and that's what we're used to is being pursued to get disciplined. But God wants to pursue you to love on you, to get you out of the circumstances you're in. Uh, we have our one dog, it names Allie. It's a, a pit lab. If, you know, I only have dogs. Those are my children. Some of you guys have children. We all have that one child, right, that is just, like, perfect. Like, you, it's like you talk that one up a little bit. Now you guys are thinking, oh, no, but you know you all do. Every single one of you have that child that is just great at everything. And Allie was kind of that way growing up. Allie, like, I've always wanted a dog. You throw a frisbee, jumps up, catches it. Allie's that dog. I could play fetch with Allie. I'll, Allie go out, and I could throw it to her, and she'll catch it, bring it back, and we could, all day. I'll get tired before she gets tired. Uh, I taught her to sit down late, and then I've always wanted a dog to be able to roll over. Allie, I just went like this naturally rolled over. I'm like, holy smokes, this is awesome. And now, it's funny that you mentioned you weren't bound earlier, Pastor Brenda, because my dog bows. She knows that trick. It naturally happened. I didn't teach her, but when, she doesn't like to always sit on hard surfaces. So one time she just dropped her front paws, and now we call bow down. So if I say bow down and tap my feet, if she's sitting, she'll drop her both paws, or if she's standing, she'll drop both her paws and bow. It's awesome. Now Bella, on the other hand, she's our blue-nosed pit bull, stubborn. The most stubbornest dog you'll ever meet. We'll be in bed, and you'll go to push her, and she pushes back. It, it's so annoying. She's relentless. She's relentless. She'll, like, get on you. She'll put a paw. And she's like, okay, that's not bad. One paw. All of a sudden, her other paw comes on. She wiggles her way all, you know, she's now on my chest. Okay, I can deal with that. Pet her. But now that she got comfortable, now she's getting a little bit closer. Now her face is laying on my face. And eventually, her whole body's on me. Josie just actually, yesterday, she gets on top of me. And she's like, who does this remind you of? I'm like, oh, Bella. Because Bella's a lab dog, or a Labradoris, like what you call it. Labradoris and a Lickadoris. And so, but, the, you know, so when it came to tricks, I, I tell Bella, hey, Bella, sit down. She got that one. That one, the shake, the simple ones, right? Every dog almost, I believe, every dog can sit and shake. Easy. Lay down. The only way she'll lay down is if I have food in my hand, I put it on the ground and I'm pushing her down. You can forget about rolling over. And this is what fetch consists of. She wants to play fetch. I throw it. She gets it. And she wants me to chase her now. That's how she likes to play completely opposite dog so i gave up on you know teaching her tricks but i'm here to tell you god's not going to give up on you regardless of your lack of abilities regardless of the mess you're in the circumstances you're in god's not going to give up on you um romans 5 6 it says when we were utterly helpless christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners Samson was helpless. He was, his eyes were plucked out. He couldn't see. He's grinding sand. He's stuck, you know, with the Philistines as their slaves. Someone who God called him to conquer. He's now slaves to him. He's helpless. 
But check out what happens. Judges uh, 16, chapter 16, 21 and 22. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. I don't believe it was his hair, but I believe it was his decision to be obedient to God. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, I think you need some hair. Turn to your other neighbor and be like, you're looking a little thin. Your hair is looking a little thin right now. <laughs> so I want to close with this. We're going to start closing. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So if right now you feel like you're wandering and you've never had a relationship with Christ at all, what I'll do is every eye closed, every head bowed right now. If you've never made a decision to accept Christ, you're in some, you have a big mess right now. You, you feel guilty, you feel shame, you feel depressed, you have anxiety, you're going to, you have addictions, whatever. If you want to be free from that right now and begin a relationship with Christ Jesus, and you've never said the, this prayer for, at all, raise your hand right now if this is your first time you want to say it. Raise them high too. Be proud of it. All right, now, if, now if, you rededicate, if you want to rededicate your life to Christ right now, you say, you know, I'm like Peter. I got on the water. I started walking. My focus was on Jesus. But then I started looking at my circumstances. I fell into the water. I fell into my circumstances. I started wandering into addictions. I got in bondages. And you just want to put your focus back on Christ and rededicate your life right now. Raise your hand high. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds with this. If you want to stop wandering and come back to God, raise your hand, hide, and be proud. I see those hands, so you guys can put those hands down. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer and just repeat after me. And by saying this prayer, you're making a commitment to the Lord, saying, Lord, you know, I know I messed up. I know I made mistakes, but I want to get back on track. So just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross to go to the grave, to raise yourself from the grave for my sins, my mistakes, my shame, my guilt, anxiety, for my, for my, (laughs) for my uh, diseases, everything. I give you praise and honor, Father. Jesus, my name. Amen. All right. If I can also, we're almost done. I've had Pastor Neil and Pastor Brenda and the prayer team to come forward. And um, so, you know, if you know, if you said that prayer for the first time, you didn't want to raise your hand, or if you rededicated your life, we have a book up here. So come to one of these guys up here and get a book. But now I want to talk to. There's a bunch of you who didn't raise your hands, and I want to talk to you. I guarantee every single one of us are wounded by something or bound to something. We're all, we all are wandering in some area. Maybe you have an addiction to drugs, to smoking. Uh, you say, oh, man, sure, I'm addicted to smoking. It's not a big deal. I've been smoking for 25, 30 years. But guess what? Jesus Christ has been delivering people for thousands of years. So it's not too late to get delivered from whatever you want to get delivered from. If you're, in, if you're smoking, if you're into drugs, if you're into addictions, maybe you have anxiety, depression, whatever it is, it's not too late. God's been, like I said, God's been healing and delivering people for thousands of years. And if you want your deliverance, I'm going to have you guys come up here. And in the story of Samson, there is three keys to freedom. And I'm just going to go through them real fast. 
he, Samson, in Judges chapter 16, verse 26, he asked for help. He, he was blind. They brought him into a building full of Philistines, and he couldn't see anything. You know, he's starting to obey God again. His hair is growing back, and this, this young lad is leading him in, and he says to him, put my hands. He, he reached out and asked for help. He said, put my hands on these on pillars. And the next thing he does is he cried out to God in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. He knew he made a mistake, but he also knew what God called him to. And he said, Lord, help me defeat these Philistines one last time. And the third thing that happened is he got desperate in Judges 16, 21, 28 through 30. He, he didn't care what happened to him. He, all he cared about is fulfilling his God-given call to where it took his life. And it said when he pushed those pillars over killing him and all the Philistines, that he killed more Philistines right then and there than he did his entire life. So maybe you feel like you've made mistakes and you've screwed up your destiny. Well, God's here telling you, just is saying that I can make your destiny even better now. I can deliver you out of anything you're in right now. So are you desperate enough to ask for help to get out of the things you're in? This is why these leaders are up here right now. I'm encouraging you right now to, you're, you know you're stuck in something. You know you're bound in something. Rather, it's laziness, whatever, if it's simple. You need to ask for help. God has called us together. He didn't tell you to go off and try to do this on your own. He called us together. That's what the church is for. That's what this community is here for, is to help us, help each other grow, to sharpen uh, iron sharpens iron. So p- come up here. I encourage you right now, c- pick a leader to come up to here and tell them what you need help in so they can pray for you, that, so that they can hold you accountable for the thing you're in. So I'm going to pray, and just right now, you guys can slowly start coming up and pick someone who you feel like you can trust with your addiction, maybe the access point of your sin. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for the people right now, Father, Lord, help them to have courage and be brave, Father, like we sing in worship, Father. Help us just to be brave, to stand, help us to just get desperate enough, Lord, that we want to fulfill the call you've given us on our life, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they're going to come forward right now, Father, and chains are going to be broken, Father, Lord. Bondages are going to be broken, Lord, right now, Father. Thank you, Father, Lord. I just pray for deliverance in this place, Lord, healing in this place, addictions to be broken in this place, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. I encourage you guys, come forward. Because Samson didn't get free until he asked for help. He would have never found those pillars. He wouldn't have known where to go if he didn't ask for help.